Welcome to the podcast of St. Basil the Great Catholic Church in Brecksville, Ohio, with homilies, talks, and interviews relevant to your Catholic faith. God bless you and enjoy. Thanks for having me tonight. I could tell this is a very Catholic crowd because very few people sat in the front, all right? So <laughs> it's really an honor to be here with you tonight to talk about this, this topic of faith in action and thinking about how we go beyond the teachings we find in the gospel in Matthew 25. And I, I'm heartened to hear uh, a couple of folks talking beforehand. Uh, I talked with some folks who are graduates of John Carroll and St. Ignatius, folks who are Ignatian Volunteer Corps members serving in nonprofits here in the local community through the Ignatian Volunteer Corps. So it's nice to have the, the Jesuit uh, network, the Ignatian network represented here. I do need to kind of disclose that I work with Jesuits a lot, so inherently... I might quote a few, even even the Pope. So I hope that's okay. And so I'm, I'm just really, uh, you know, looking forward to being here and, and to, to sharing with you and inviting inviting you into some conversation and dialogue uh, as well, and some self uh, personal reflection and kind of parish reflection as well. These are some things I hope that I could accomplish tonight with you while we're here together. One that we can deepen our understanding of of solidarity, of what the idea of of solidarity means that we can explore ways that, uh, that encounter can lead us to a deeper solidarity with those identified in Matthew 25, and that we can reflect on how we can invite others into being people of solidarity, maybe others in our parish, others in our community, or, or beyond. I need to, need to say that I, I come to be with you as someone who tries to live out the, this uh, value of solidarity every day in my life, but also fails every day. I also come as someone who is a, a practitioner of our faith. I'm not a theologian, so I, I don't want to claim to be one or act like I'm one. So I, I'm a person who uh, practices our faith, who utilizes it as part of my vocation and my work at the Ignatian Solidarity Network, which I can talk a little bit at, about at the end. But uh, I'm not coming to you as a theological scholar. So if you're looking for that, I have some great people you can talk with, but I'm not it. I, I wanted to start out by kind of thinking about some of the realities that exist in our world. It's important in the work of living out the values of Catholic social teaching and in working for a more just world or trying to, to be people who are committed to social justice, that we, we take some time to, to kind of take a step back and, and kind of reflect on the realities of injustice in our world. Because of my work, prior to, to being at the Ignatian Solidarity Network, I worked for six years as the director of John Carroll University's International Immersion Experience Programs. In Catholic higher education, there's a, a significant effort to create opportunities for young people to see other parts of the world, experience the realities that our brothers and sisters live in, uh, in other places in the world. And so I was coordinating about 14 experiences, trips to different places uh, in mainly in the Caribbean and Central America, Northern Latin America. It was challenging work, uh, partially because there was a lot of logistics, a lot of plane tickets, a lot of things to manage. But it was also uh, challenging because we were often sending students off to be to experience things that were so different than their lives here in uh, at John Carroll, living on campus or in their communities, wherever they came from. And often I would go out and do site visits uh, to different locations in the region to get an understanding of what our students are going to experience. And I remember being in the Dominican Republic. This was July of 2010. 
It was about six months after there was that horrible earthquake in Haiti, you might remember, where there was a significant loss of life and just terrible devastation to a country that was already struggling. We'd been, as a staff, we'd been reflecting on whether or not we could possibly create an opportunity for students to visit Haiti and to learn about uh, what was happening there, the work of different nonprofits and the church to try to help people rebuild their lives. And so I was flying from Santo Domingo in the Dominican Republic to Port-au-Prince, the capital of Haiti. And as you fly over that island of Hispaniola that those two countries share, you can literally tell where the border is. As you go over, there's no line on the ground, but there's this distinct differentiation between the landscape in the Dominican Republic, which in the, in the hills, uh, in the rural areas are very lush to the landscape in Haiti, which is the land has been, the hills have been stripped of the, of the trees as a part of the industry that the agricultural industry was doing that. And we landed in Port-au-Prince and as we walked off the plane, walked down the, the steps and off the plane and into what was left of the airport. And this was six months after the earthquake. Um, it didn't take long to figure out that something was seriously wrong in Haiti and that people were living in very dire conditions. It was early. I took an early morning flight. So right away, one of the, the Jesuit brothers that was working there from the United States that was working there at the time picked me up. And we began to uh, kind of commence the day. We visited a series of refugee camps. We visited five refugee camps, each which housed about 5,000 people. At the time, these were five of 25 camps that existed in Port-au-Prince. And we would go to visit a camp, and uh, the Jesuits were involved in rebuilding schools on the island. And so we would see these different projects where they were rebuilding schools. We'd visit with families that were sending their children to the schools. Basically, the school buildings had been destroyed, and they were working to, they started out by rebuilding a school meant literally putting up a tent, and then after um, a little bit more time, when they could uh, get the resources and get things in place, they would build a wood structure, and eventually they would move to a cinder block structure. So kind of has kind of a three little pigs like uh, thing to it, but kind of working to build something more significant, more more solid. And they were doing this in in each of these uh, refugee camps that thousands of people, thousands of children were living in. And I remember seeing, you know, one of the grave challenges was sanitation. I remember seeing. You know, a, ch- a child running off, a small child running off from, from the school to use the restroom. And instead of going to one of the latrines that had been dug, going to the, to a big puddle, a big kind of pond of rainwater that was left over and, and urinating in the pond. And at the other end of that little pond, seeing a woman taking water out and washing her, washing clothes using that water. And just the, the reality of, of that. And I had the chance to learn the stories of people, their struggles, the loss of life. The, the violence, the systemic uh, violence that existed on the island. It was just a, a horrible, horrible reality that our, our brothers and sisters there were living in. And so I left that experience really trying to reflect on what I saw and how it made me feel and things like that. So I'd like to invite you kind of to do a little bit of reflect, uh, reflection on on some scenes, just like the, that scene I saw in Port-au-Prince of those refugee camps, I, I'd like to take a few minutes and just invite you to reflect on a few scenes. So, and I'm going to ask you to, as you do that, uh, to think about these three questions. And these are on the sheets on the tables uh, as well. What emotions do the scenes stir in you? Do you experience Christ in the scene? And do you experience yourself in the scene? So as we watch this, why don't we reflect on, or just, just think a little bit about those, those three questions, okay? 
This is a, a scene that many of us have, have you know, seen uh, in the newspaper and things like that. This young uh, Middle Eastern uh, boy who must have been with his family in a boat and fell out and his body washed up. For me, I saw myself in this scene because when this picture was first uh, published in the newspapers, um, my son was three years old, just like this young man. And so, and my son Patrick had a red shirt and blue shorts, just like this young man. So I, I thought of like what that must have been like for his mom and dad, you know? And then this is a scene from India and, and kind of tries to illustrate the reality of a tremendous drought that many portions of the country have been facing uh, for a number of years that makes it very challenging to to live a life where you're utilizing agriculture as a way of sustaining your livelihood. So uh, challenging images, uh, to be sure. This was an image from 2014. This is not an image, uh, some people might assume maybe this is an image that was of a scene that happened recently. This was actually in 2014 when President Obama was president. And there was an increase in the number of children who were coming to the U.S.-Mexico border from Central America unaccompanied. And uh, this is a scene from a federal detention center, a government-run uh, detention center where those children were, were staying. So as I, as I think about this, I think about something that, a couple things that Pope Francis has said. Once, uh, one, one thing is that, as I noted at the beginning, I, I want to use uh, encounter as a way of reflecting on the idea of solidarity. And, and reflecting on our uh, desire to move beyond, or not beyond, but to, to increase our way of responding to Matthew's gospel. To increase our way of responding. And so uh, this idea of encounter, some of you referenced experiences of encounter I heard in your, in your conversations with each other, people you've come to know, you've seen, things like that. We encountered people, our brothers and sisters, in those images. We weren't there with them, but we're, we were trying to place ourselves in those images a little bit. We were trying to use encounter. So, uh, so that's the big the one thing. And then the second is this idea of the desolation of indifference. Po- uh, Pope Francis has talked a lot about the culture of indifference. And how it, uh, what, what it's perpetuating in society. And there's a couple things that I think about when I think about this desolation of, of indi- indifference. That one, the reality is that there is great sin present in our world. And we, all we have to do is open up the newspaper or turn on the television or the radio, you know, each evening and we can appreciate some of that. Some of it's right here in our own community here in Northeast Ohio and some of it seems and is very far away. Uh, from us in other parts of the world. And that social sin is, is mortal. It dehumanizes people and can even uh, demolish humanity. It can, it can really, uh, you know, it can do that. And we saw that in some of those images, the, the, the young child lying on a beach who's passed away, you know, um, that Christ is present in all of this. That's hard, I think, to sometimes imagine. And that Christ is present in, in all the goodness and all the struggles that exist in our world, our own and our brothers and sisters, and that we're called to respond to the crucified people. I think that's a really important thing to think about. Um, how are we called to, to respond to the reality of, of suffering in our world? But I want to go back to this first one. Great sin is present in our world. I, I think sometimes it's easy to want to kind of shield or shelter ourselves with this. And I, I had a personal experience with this. Uh, this uh, spring break, I have three boys. Uh, Benjamin is nine. Patrick and James are seven. They're twins. And my wife and I had really been wanting to go on a trip to, to experience some of the history and culture of the South. 
So we decided we would start out on uh, at Orange Beach in Alabama on the Gulf Coast, spend a few days at the beach, get the kids, you know, lots of sun and, and sand and things like that. And then we wanted to go visit, uh, we went to go visit uh, Selma, Montgomery, and Birmingham. And we were really, we were excited about it because we wanted to see those places. We wanted to experience the history, our country's challenging history of those places. But we were also trying to figure out how do we talk about these, these places of such tragedy and violence and injustice and just, you know, meanness. Like, how do you talk about that with a, with a seven-year-old or with a nine-year-old? And one of the things I realized is that I think sometimes we, we want to shelter ourselves and want to shelter our children from the reality that, that sin exists in our world. You know, I even think about we were at church on Good Friday and, you know, you go to venerate the cross and Patrick is always asking questions. Why do, why do we kiss the cross? And, you know, like, and why, um, why did they take everything off the altar on Holy Thursday night? And you're trying to help them understand that. And, and I kind of realized that maybe we have to be a little bit more open to the fact that, that sin exists in our world. And start to kind of think about this last one then of how are we called to respond to that. And I don't think that's easy, but, but I think it's something that we can uh, do. And I'll just tell you a real quick ando from that trip. It was a great experience, challenging at times, but one of the places we visit was Kelly Ingram Park. It's in Birmingham. If you remember the scenes of the children that, uh, being pushed over by the fire hoses and bitten by the dogs in uh, 1963, I think. And that's, that's Kelly Ingram Park. And they have, the, um, they have these great monuments that kind of depict those images, but they've written the narration for the monuments through the eyes of a child. And so that was such a neat perspective for my kids to have, to think about the fact that the, all the adults had been arrested, and the only people left to respond were the kids. And to think about like the power of a young person to, to kind of respond to the injustice that existed in society. So it was a challenging uh, trip, but, but a great experience. So I would like to try something. I do this with school groups, but I think you all are young at heart. So I think we can, we can, we can do it. Okay. The only thing is I need two volunteers and the first person that volunteers, I need to tell you that I'm going to ask you to sit underneath this table. So I need someone who's just willing to do that. Is there anyone that would be excellent? Would you come on up? What is your name? My name is Nancy. Nancy. Let's give Nancy just a round of applause for being willing to sit underneath the table. Nancy, would you sit underneath this table? Now, what I'd like to do is I'd like to use this table as, as a way of thinking about some of the reality of, of sin, of injustice in our world. Okay? And so... I just need to put out there, this is not, this is a very simplistic way of thinking about this, but it's just to get us to think a little bit, okay? So, Nancy, how are you doing down there? I'm all right. Okay, all right, good. Zip, but I'm all right. No, that's okay. You're doing good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, now, Nancy, can you tell us what, what it looks like there uh, from where you're sitting? What do you see? I see a lot of feet and legs. <laughs> a lot of feet and legs, okay. How's the lighting underneath there? It's okay. Uh-huh. Um, are you comfortable? It's not bad. It's not bad? I mean, would you want to spend a day down there? No. No? What would be, like, if you could, if, if you had one complaint that you wanted to file with us, what would it be? Anything? I feel put aside. You feel put aside. Yeah, well, it's true. We did put you underneath the table. Um, <laughs> now, Nancy, uh, the other thing is, can you see above the table? 
no. Can you see what's on? I know you saw it before, but can you see what's on the table now? No. No, okay. All right, I need my second volunteer. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be fully disclosed. The second volunteer I'm going to ask to come sit on the table. It's sturdy. Don't worry. It's sturdy. Okay. Um, who would be willing to do that? Come on up. Yeah, yeah. Come on up. What's your name? Karen. Karen. Excellent. Karen, we, thank you so much for being willing. Let's give Karen a round of applause. Come on. She's, she's going to sit on the table. There you go. All right. Thanks, Karen. And uh, now, Karen, tell us about your, your view from on the table. What do you see? I see everybody. Everybody, they looking good. Yep. Lighting adequate for you. Yes. All right. Um, can you see Nancy? No. No. Okay. I now, Karen. Could, I could try though. You could try, right? If you don't. You don't have to. I mean, why, right? Yeah. Now, Nancy, I did. I did put some. There's some cookies here if you want something to eat or something like that. So feel free. Uh, I can get you coffee if you need it. But, um, uh, well, uh, you're all right. Oh, well, I didn't actually ask you. Yeah, so um, just just quiet down down there. Now, um, so this is a way of thinking. Uh, you're right, I did. You're right, I did. This is a way of thinking about a little bit about our, our world, okay? Then in our world, there are people that live on top of the table, and there are people that live under the table, okay? We can probably think of... People, whether really close to us here in Northeast Ohio or people really far away from us, that we would say, yeah, they're under a table. Now, now some of the things about being under a table, like um, Nancy, um, like if you, I mean, Karen's hanging her feet down over the table and stuff like that. Like, what, what's your reaction to what Karen is doing? I, I think it's okay. You think it's okay? All right. What if Karen starts, like, kicking, like, well, her legs? Yeah. What if Karen starts banging on the table? That's all right. That's all right. What if Karen? What if Karen takes her trash, takes her trash and throws it down there at you? That's frustrating, isn't it? Yeah. It's frustrating. Okay. When we think when we think about this, okay, we we think about the vulnerability that people have underneath the table. Okay, that anything that Karen does is going to impact Nancy. All right. But Nancy doesn't necessarily have the ability to impact Karen's kind of reality up here. And if she does try, like Karen or Nancy, try to put your hand up here and see if you can't start to work your way out. All right. Now, if Karen was a mean person, <laughs> she would like stamp on your hand or pound on it to keep you down there. OK, I don't think she would do that. But um, what is a way that as we think about this table setup, what is a way that we could think about it differently? What's a way if we wanted to think about kind of responding to the situation of Nancy while recognizing that Karen's here too. What's a way that we could think about this dynamic differently? Lending her a hand. Okay. So we could, Karen could invite Nancy, Nancy up. Okay. Pull her up. All right. Okay. Anything else? Yeah. She could let her sit on the table next to her. Offer something to eat or something to drink, right? All right. The, re the one thing that we may have to recognize, though, is that this table, it does have a capacity, right? Like, it could break, right? What would be another way of thinking about the table? Yeah. Could they both sit at the table? Could they both sit at the table? Well, let's do that. Nancy, come on up. Karen, why don't you go over there and sit at the table, okay? Could they both sit at the table? 
That's it. Welcome back, Nancy. We're, thank you so much for doing that. Yeah, yeah. Here, Karen, have a seat. Have a seat at the table. What if we thought of it this way? What if we thought of kind of our... Isn't that nice? <laughs> Thanks, Karen. Um, what if we thought of our, our kind of response to the realities of injustice in, in our world with this kind of mentality that we, we want to bring people around the table rather than having people above the table and underneath the table? And that actually... You know, a lot of times in our world, we think about the challenges that people face, whether here in our own community or, or beyond. Uh, we think about them as a lifeboat. That if we let somebody onto this lifeboat, we got to kick somebody off. Okay. But what if we think about it as a table, a table that can get bigger and we can always, you know, I love that when you go out to, you're going to go have a meal at like a restaurant or cafeteria and, and you're the last one at the table and there aren't enough seats. And, but what, what does somebody say? They say, We'll make room. We'll make room. We'll move over, right? We'll squeeze in, okay? What if we could think about kind of our world and responding to the reality of suffering, responding to the reality of justice uh, that way, okay? So that's a that, that's that's what we use the table for. So thank you, uh, Nancy and Karen, so much for for doing that. I'm really grateful to do that. As I as I said, you can see why it, it gets it often goes better with uh, with uh, students. So I, a couple things about. A couple things about thinking about the idea of response, of uh, suffering in our response uh, through acts of solidarity. So I, I told you I was going to talk about some Jesuits. So John Sabrino is a, a Jesuit theologian uh, that lived in El Salvador, lives in El Salvador. He said, unless we somehow live the reality of the suffering, we're turning away from the cross of the crucified people. Whether the cross takes the shape of earthquakes and other natural disasters or of wars, repression, injustice, barbarity. That we, we have to be willing to find ways to understand the reality under the table. What do we know about people under the table? What are we, how are we finding ways to come to better understand what they're experiencing? So that's one thing we want to, we want to think about in our call to solidarity. Pope Francis talks about the idea of a new mindset that has a community and the priority of, of life over the appropriations of the goods by, uh, goods by a few. Okay. This idea that we're, we're part of a human family. We're all brothers and sisters. We're all children of God. Okay. It's, it's a challenging uh, concept. Pope John Paul said solid, he talked about solidarity. We have to commit ourselves to the common good, to the good of all, of each individual. That's really challenging to think about the reality of everyone, right? That, that the, we have to think about everyone who's under the table. We have to think about everyone we saw in those images. That's, that's really, that's hard. That's overwhelming. I like this one, so I'm going to come back to John Sabrino. Solidarity expresses the idea of bearing one another's burdens. Unequals bearing one another's burdens. The idea that, yes, uh, we, we live in different realities in the world, but we're willing to take on someone else's reality. Okay, So this is uh, getting us to think about this idea of uh, solidarity a little bit. I just wanted to close by uh, sharing something that we use in our work at the Ignatian Solidarity Network a lot. It's called the Pastoral Circle, and it's a way of thinking about incorporating thoughtful reflection and faithful reflection into our life experiences and our our desire to be people of faith. And, and how it works, basically, is that we have these life experiences. We have these bread moments. We have everyday experiences. We have you know, chances to reflect on images like we saw at the beginning of the presentation. We get a chance to try to make sense of them intellectually, to understand the politics or the history or the economics of the situation. But we also reflect on our, 
on our faith. What do parables like the Good Samaritan or Matthew 25 tell us about the situation that we're seeing? How do we incorporate our faith into responding? And then we, we act. We respond with some way of action, right? We decide to get the cookies as Christmas gifts from Homegirl Cafe instead of Costco or something like that, right? Whatever, whatever, whatever it might be. I guess I just want to leave you, I know we're about, we need to finish up, but I just want to leave you with a, a couple things. One, to think about um, how important it is to reflect on the realities of, of injustice uh, and sin that exists in our world because they help, us, they help us think about the response, right? We can't respond to Matthew 25 if we don't first reflect a little bit about uh, the reality of the people that are in the situations that we're called to respond to in it. So, how, And then the table, how do we think about you know, the situation of those under the table. How do we place ourselves, just like we place ourselves in the story of the Good Samaritan, the parable of the Good Samaritan, how do we place ourselves in different parts of the table and reflect on what's going on in the world? And how do we think about a vision of not a lifeboat where we're pushing people off, but a table where we can keep making it bigger. We can keep saying, here, we'll squeeze in, we'll make room. Thinking about ourselves as part of a human family, thinking about, thinking about ourselves as being all God's children, that it, that it calls us to, to consider that idea that Father Boyle talked about, that there's no us and them, uh, just us. And how do we, how are we part of building a, a community? It starts right here in communities like this and in parishes like this where people are willing to come out on a nice Thursday night and reflect on the gospel and what it calls us to do. I mean, what a great, like, symbol of the potential in our world when we have a community of folks who are willing to be here challenging themselves, exploring what it means to be Christian, what it means to be Catholic. So I just want to say I, I, I really am honored to be with you tonight. I'm so grateful to, to Margaret and Ted for inviting me and, um, and to spend time with you. So thank you so much. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this audio from our parish. You can find other homilies, talks, and interviews at our website, basilthegreat.org, or by subscribing to this podcast in your favorite app. Just search for St. Basil Catholic Church Brexville. St. Basil the Great, pray for us. <laughs>